Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. So when I have a question that I think you need to have answered, uh, and I don't think I can answer it, I reach out to the experts. And I have with me today an expert in the topic of media relations and law enforcement. And, and I've got to be honest, I don't know that law enforcement always does a really great job dealing with the media and vice versa. So I have with me a veteran cop and a professional public information officer. Robert, welcome to the show. I am so excited. I have a million questions for you. Thank you, Betsy, for having me on. I am excited to be interviewed by you. So you've always been somebody I've always looked up to. So this is a complete honor. Thank you so much. So first of all, tell people, um, you know, a little bit about your police career. You you were a sworn police officer for almost 27 years, you know, um, so you've you've seen it all, done it all. I pretty much had every position in the department that you can imagine, everything from officer all the way up to uh, deputy chief. And I retired at that rank and moved on and worked in some civilian positions as a public information officer. My the majority of my field was when I was in a law enforcement officer it was community relations, public information, all that. And it just, it, it just made sense for me to go into it as a civilian. I love talking to the public. I love educating the public and I love educating the media. And I'm in a market right now where educating the media is an experience because they're very new. The reporters are extremely new. Most of them are, just out of college or in their first or second market. And it's an, it's an experience sometimes. And you know what, that's, I, I'm glad you said that because I experienced that as well. And I talked to a lot of terrific reporters and they are very young, younger than most of my kids. And uh, um, I, and I, I kind of like that youth because they're um, you know, they're very eager to talk and to do their job and and they i you know they enjoy listening um so i do appreciate that so let's talk about why law enforcement and the media haven't necessarily gotten along i mean historically and you know you and i are are you're a little younger than me um but you know i think for most of both of our law enforcement careers um, we saw that natural tension, right, between the media and the police department. Why is that? Well, I think there's there's kind of a lev level of concern for in the law enforcement aspect of it where they they're worried about. Am I going to be on the next TV? Am I going to be the next TV uh, uh, bad boy? Am I going to be the person that gets in trouble again? And then you get outed and you get doxxed. And so now in, in the in, in the current time, that's the biggest concern for most officers. But what kind of started it years ago, I believe, is, is law enforcement has to solve cases. That's our job. And, and our job is to bring justice for the victims. And sometimes the media wants to step on that because they have a need to know. They want to share to the public, but sometimes they want too much or they start doing their own investigation. And we don't want to give out that information because we're trying to solve a crime. And we have to what we've learned over the years, we've gotten better with this is we're we're learning to share enough information 
to meet the burden for the media so that they, they get what they need to share to the public and they feel that they're doing their job, but we're not giving them all the cards that are in our, in our case file, so to speak. Now, the media definitely has a right to know, as does the public, but we also have a right to keep secrets sometimes, don't we, in the course of an investigation? Well, absolutely, because, you know, if if you're working, I'll give you an example. We, in my current jurisdiction, we had a, a trafficking case, a human trafficking case, pretty extensive, all over the, involving all over the country. But the problem is, is, is if you give away too much information, you could jeopardize the the victim that we've identified and any future victims that we're we're trying to bring justice to as well so there's a balancing point and you have to kind of find that what is enough information to share to the media and to the public and and we in law enforcement have to remember the media is not our audience our audience is the public so the media is just the conduit to talk to the the public and that's what we have to think of it as a conduit, not a, not as a rival or an enemy. And, and I think a lot of agencies in the past used to think as long um, as the media, as, as a, as a rival, you know, they're trying to get our, you know, give away all of our secrets. So let me ask you this. How has social media changed a public information officer's job? Oh God. Wait, you got about three days. Um, (laughs) Social media has made it move at the pace of a lightning strike. I mean, it literally happens like that. Uh, I usually get notified about things that are happening via social media sometimes. Sometimes it's it's the public sending information. Sometimes it's the, the media saying, hey, did you know this happened on a tweet or a direct message? So it happens. It, it requires us to react at a quicker pace to give out general information or or, or, uh, alerts quicker. So the pace is dramatically faster. And in fact, let I want to explain to people, because I'm sure you do. This was this way when you were a young cop and it was when I was, there was the way that we did public information um, out of a police department back in the day was we had a crime occur or whatever. And somebody wrote a press release and then you would put out that press release. That was a piece of paper, guys. And, uh, you know, sometimes and then we'd email it out. And then the chief or the chief of detectives or the public information officer would have a press conference and answer questions. And that would kind of be it, right? Yep, absolutely. So now with social media, you've got a bit get right on it. And is, is that something that you recommend to police leaders that they embrace um, social media, all forms of it? If they're not embracing as much as their department can handle on social media, they're missing the opportunity to talk directly to the community and to provide the community that information that they need without having to wait for their traditional way of putting out a press release or the news media to actually report it. We can actually provide information uh, do calls to, to action to the public through social media. And it's a, it's a, a Chris Menino, he's a uh, deputy or retired chief out of Chicago. He called it a force multiplier. It is literally makes it hundreds of eyes and ears. If, if I need to get something out about a suspect, we can put that out. Sometimes the media, the, the news media 
people out there will find that person and share information with us. I, and I love that. And I know I have been involved in cases where the media was incredibly helpful. Um, and, and I know we need to, to keep that in mind. One of the things that I, I learned from another one of my guests in talking about this issue um, was uh, Chief Craig, a former Chief Craig out of Detroit, you know, and, and one of the things he talked about was he would just grab his public information officer and a camera and they would go out to the scene of a, you know, whether it was a controversial shooting or whatever. And he just stand up and start talking to people. What do you think about that? I, I think that's important in certain situations. I think it, if you can get out and, and control the narrative of, of what's happening, because in the absence of not controlling the narrative, who's ever there is going to speak to the media. So it could be some person that does not like the police or, believes just because the police did something that they did it wrong and they're going to talk to the media, but you go to the scene, you put, you put yourself up on a cell phone. Now it's so easy to, to broadcast on social media from a cell phone. You could actually change the complete dynamic of, of the way things happen. I'll give you a great example of, of where this happened and went wrong was in Ferguson. You wait, they waited almost five full days to talk to the media and to make a statement. That was a mistake. If they would have come out with their version earlier on, instead of allowing the false narrative to be portrayed, there would have been maybe a different perspective that would have come out. Well, yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right. And, and in that situation, the way that law enforcement was portrayed um, in the Ferguson, Missouri shooting of of Michael Brown, who was a strong arm robber trying to disarm a police officer, not an innocent child shot on his way to medical school or whatever. Um, that affected and really continues to affect our profession, doesn't it? That's when the war on cops really ramped up was 2014 after Ferguson, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the same thing happened, you know, as, as we moved through all of that and, and every little thing that happened that was via social media or that was videotaped going from the um, uh, incident in North Carolina where the officer shot the man running away, um, or even as we go up to last year with George Floyd. I mean, those things once it's on social, if you don't come forward and start talking right away, you know, we, we need to realize that we need to educate our community about what we do, how we do it, why we do it ahead of time to build up that bank of goodwill. And when the bad times happen and every agency is going to have a bad incident happen, there might be a, 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 a bad officer. There might be a bad shoot, might be an inappropriate use of force. Those happen. We're human beings. We make mistakes. It's going to happen. But if you build up that goodwill with your community, those things are not necessarily going to fall apart because they're going to say they're, they come forward every time there's an incident. They tell the story as best they can. They provide us the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And when they've made a mistake, they've admitted it. And, right. and that helps solve problems. You know, a lot of uh, larger agencies who have a, a good in-house media unit, um, they put together kind of a professional pr production. You know, um, LAPD comes to mind because they've been in the news recently. 
and uh, and they put together a very professional production, uh, including body worn camera uh, of any you know controversial use of force or whatever. It, how useful is that? It's extremely useful because if you hold, here's the thing: there's going to be cell phone video of just about every major use of force by an agency. It's going to come out somewhere, whether it's surveillance video or cell phone video. You're only getting the perspective of that cell phone video. If your agency decides to put a production together where they're showing body camera video as early as they can, they now control the messaging that comes out about that incident. And I, and I'm when I say the word control, I'm just saying telling it from our perspective, from the officer that's in this in that position at that time, not a a Monday morning quarterback, a look at a far distant video from a. 50 feet away, you're seeing it from his perspective and you're seeing how it unfolded. And then you're explaining why this occurred, why that occurred, what the officer did. I think those are important things to, to do. And I, I think more agencies are doing that on a regular basis as they're learning to embrace the, the, the media the right way. That is so well said, you know, since the death of George Floyd, um, American law enforcement has really had to um, do a much better job dealing with the media and getting out, you know, but, you know, one of the problems there was all the body camera didn't come out. And I know, how do you balance that uh, need to know by the public as far as the body worn camera and the investigation um, when it comes to dash cam and body worn camera, what do you recommend? So I think it's, it's a combination of, it's a sit down by your executives in the agency. It's a sit down by the investigators that are doing the investigation and saying, okay, what can we share and how quickly can we share it? Because what is relevant in that video may be completely irrelevant if you wait five or six days or a month down the line to the community and to the media that wants that information. If you can find the balance and that, and most agencies can, and they have in the, in the recent past with certain incidents, they've been able to find the balance of that media uh, of the body camera video when we can release and how much we can release. And, 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 you know, I hate the Rick Rosenfall. He's a re former reporter out of Chicago. Amazing. He had, yes, he is. He had a, a line it's called feeding the animals. If you can give them enough, they stop chewing at your toes. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Well, and, and, you know, if, for example, you look at the, the quadruple homicide that they had in Moscow, Idaho, that the world has been obsessed with for the last few months. Um, what, you know, I I have talked to a number of reporters who were kind of mad about um, there were certain information that they withheld to benefit the investigation, including the fact that one of the roommates who was not murdered actually ran into the suspect and was able to partially describe him. And they, Moscow, Idaho did an amazing job of keeping that under wraps until the suspect was in custody. What do you say to those reporters who say, well, we, we deserve to know that? Well, here's the thing about that. And, and I read the whole affidavit the day it was put out and the amazing investigative work by Moscow PD and, and the uh, investigators from the FBI and all everybody involved. What I think the 
the media and the public have to understand here is they had to weigh. You had four people that were brutally murdered. You had a witness, a living witness to the murderer. And that information, if it would have got out, could have jeopardized that witness their very life. If this person had just killed four people and then they thought they potentially could be identified by a fifth, what's to stop that person from coming back and killing him? You don't know. So you can't just say, oh, we have a witness. And there's only so many people that were in that apartment. And that offender obviously surveilled them and and knew what was going, maybe just didn't realize that they were home at the time. Otherwise, they may have been dead as well. So in those aspects, you have to say, we had to balance the need of the public to know about this living witness. And this living witness was a key to them to narrowing down the time for them looking for the car, for them eventually unraveling that whole string of amazing evidence. Yeah, that was an extraordinary case and and so well done by a police department that a lot of people said was too small to deal with this. And I think they were pretty fair in what information they tried to share as much Mm. as they could. And as soon as they had him in custody, they put it out. They shared the information about the car. The car was out there pretty early. Mm -hmm. You know, they needed the public's help in that. And they and they realized that after obviously he was driving home, but. They knew they had enough information at that point. to They just didn't know where he was at. Right. Right. So I hear from a lot of cops as, as I travel around the country. One of their frustrations is, is that their chief or their PIO are only dealing with the media when something bad has happened or a cop has done something bad. What are your suggestions for getting all the good stuff that law enforcement does out into the media? How do we get them interested in it? And, and uh, what are your suggestions? So a couple of things. Number one is, is we have to tell our story and, and our story is the great things our officers do, but if they are not willing to tell us when they do those things, it's impossible for us to tell those stories. Listen, we have had in the last couple months, we have had officers do phenomenal things and um, do amazing things, life-saving acts and heroism. But if the PIO doesn't know it, know it, I can't pitch it to the media. So it's very important for you as a PIO to go to those roll calls and to talk to the people in, in meetings and say, listen, if you've got an officer that did something phenomenal, let us know. Send us a text message. Send us the video, the body camera video. I'll pitch a story any day of the week. I love pitching stories to the media and our local media, they'll pick it up. They want those good stories, but we're always so focused on the bad. I I mean, very frequently I get calls, Hey, do you guys have anything good? And they're not asking for the, the bloody story. They're looking for the good hearted story. We just have to be willing to pitch it and get the officers to buy in. The officers have learned over time now that they realize, okay, maybe I'll buy in because they've had some really good positive press. Yeah, that is such a g- great advice. Now, what do you think about, last question, what do you think about bringing in members of the media, especially, you know, particularly hostile ones, if you can, to do run-through simulations, attend active shooter training, things like that? What's your thoughts on that? I believe the more you engage the media and bring them in, to your department to see the perspectives from your officer's view 
and your community's view, you're going to win them over. Uh, we do this regularly. We just did this with a bunch of new supervisors where they we had a, a member of the media come in and help them do media briefs, learn how to do a media brief at a seat. And we videotaped it, and then the person sent the videos back to us, and we were able to share them with our supervisors so they could see how they're talking and acting on cam. And then that, in turn, helps them feel more comfortable about talking to the media. And it's the same thing about getting to come in for active shooter trainings. You're showing them that you're prepared for that. You're showing them that, you here, Narcan, we are in a fentanyl crisis in the country right now. If your agencies aren't using Narcan, or if they are, if you have a great save, show how it works. Show the things that your agency is doing to help the community stay safe and protect people. That's what's going to be a positive. Again, incredibly well said. I mean, you you just do this so well. Where can people find you? How can they reach out to you? Um, tell us where they can uh, where they. So can... there's a couple of places they can reach out to me. A P the PIO podcast on Twitter. Just a way no no periods PIO podcast. My first and last name Robert Tornabeni. That's on my social out there. I'm I'm out there. Feel free to reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to engage. You know, there are, there are, I'm sure I'll get hit with some trolls too, but hey, that happens. I get, I'm used to it. I know we have thick skin, right? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Robert Tornabeni, I cannot thank you enough for doing this. You, you answered all my questions and more, and I hope people uh, follow you on social media. I hope they listen to the podcast and, uh, and to all my law enforcement professionals out there, Learn how to deal with the media because they're not going away. No, Thanks so much not. for spending time with us, Robert. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Put the gun down! Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.